0: Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk where you can find many more videos of interest to investors.
1: Welcome to the results presentation for our half year. I'm joined by Chris Belsham, our Group Finance Director. Uh, I'm going to take you through the operating highlights. Chris is then going to take us through a financial review of the year. And then I'm going to come back and talk about the strategy for the group and the outlook going forward. Just for those of you who are not that familiar with us, just in terms of overview of what we are at NWF, we're a specialist distributor of fuel, food and feed across the UK. We operate in large stable markets and we've got a very strong track record in fuels. We're supplying fuel to commercial and domestic customers from 25 depots. We're the third largest fuel distributor in the UK and we supply just under 700 million litres. In food, we're the leading ambient grocery consolidator in the northwest of England, and we're supplying ambient groceries on a daily basis to all the supermarkets and cash and carries across the country from a million square foot of warehouse that we have here in Cheshire. And in feeds, we're a ruminant feed producer, supplying ruminant feed to dairy, beef and sheep farmers up and down the UK. We're supplying over 4,000 farmers across the UK, and the easiest way to remember our business is we're feeding one in six dairy cows in Great Britain today. So that gives you an overview of the business. I'd now like to turn to a results summary. I'm pleased to report a very strong set of results significantly ahead of prior year and indeed ahead of our expectations. In terms of revenue, over 400 million and that's actually up 30 percent. Revenue isn't a great indicator of our business because we have a lot of pass-through revenue from things like oil, Uh, price movements, and also the price movements on feed commodities. It's actually up over 30%, that's increased activity and increased commodity prices, and in point of fact that will mean uh, we would expect full year revenue to be over 800 million for the first time. The key number we always focus on and I talk about is headline profit for tax, so you can see there 4.3 million up from 2.5 in the prior year. That translates down into Diluted earnings per share, up 65% to 7.1 pence per share. Net debt is always critical because cash is equally as important as profit. And you can see net debt has halved to 7.4 million, and that's 0.4 times EBITDA. So a very comfortable level of borrowing. And as normal at this stage of the year, we're proposing an interim dividend of a penny. Uh, If I look at what analysts are proposing, they're all anticipating an increase in our full year dividend. And at this stage of the year, we're comfortable with that expectation. But now we move on to the individual divisions and start with fuels. Here a very strong performance across our expanding depot network. Ahead of prior and ahead of expectation, you see profits up nearly 90% to 3.6 million. We did benefit from uh, concerns around fuel shortages in the autumn. If we all remember back to September and early October, retail petrol stations ran out of fuel as there was increased demand and some concerns over drivers. Only 5% of our volume is with retail petrol sites, but what we found was our commercial customers across the country were concerned about the availability of fuel. Positively for us, we had no supply issues, and all 25 of our depots were able to operate normally. So we are able to capitalize on that additional demand and provide great service to customers. We increased our gas, oil and diesel sales across the half year, see total volume up 5.5 percent and we also managed as ever volatile oil prices Uh, the average oil price went up from 43 dollars a barrel to 76 dollars a barrel that doesn't cause us an issue because we buy on the spot market each day and we're selling on the spot market we have no hedging or future contracts in place Um, in point of fact today the oil price is 93 dollars a barrel uh, but we're still making a very good return We've continued to expand our Priority Club. This is where we will ensure you don't run out of fuel. You'll be able to monitor your usage on an app um, and we'll also top up your tank. Um, So it's a really neat system. And we've now got over a 1,000 customers additionally on that system this year. We've also now got um, all our websites available and open for online quotation and also ordering. If you look on the screen bottom right, you can see Consoils, which is our business down in Cornwall. So you can place an order and get a quotation. So why not give it a go? So profits up 3.6 million and volume up 5.5% as well. Then move on to food, really strong performance again in the first half, delivering on the investment we've made in previous years. So significant performance improvement as we expected. Remember, our total capacity is 135,000 pallets. But this is about being more efficient and doing things really well. So first of all, we've got stock located in the key locations that we need. It's optimized. So we have our fast-moving, full pallet stock located in our crew warehouse, which is just adjacent to Junction 16 of the M6. And then we've got our slower moving added value work here in Wardle, about 10 miles further west. What we've also got is the right number of people, the right number of drivers, and good communications with our customers to provide good service. So you can see profits up to 1.5 million. We've also increased our e-fulfillment and pallet line operations, and that's offset slightly lower volumes in our repacking operation. I'm also pleased to report we've successfully completed the succession of our new managing director. He's forced to retire at the end of the year, and Angela Carras has come in as our new managing director with a lot of experience in the logistics space. Uh, previously, Angela was at Kalina running their chilled operations across the UK. Then move on to feeds here, a little disappointing and, and below expectations. Uh, volumes were down 8%. That's against the market background down 1%. Uh, we did lose volume in the southwest. One of our merchants was acquired by a competitor and also lost some volume in the north, which we're now looking to recover. We've been challenged in the period also by significantly increasing commodity prices. Um, and these have moved throughout the period to record levels for things like wheat, soy, and rape meal. And what we've been faced with is playing catch up in terms of price increases. So just as we think we've got pricing right, uh, those commodities have moved up again. So we need additional price increases, and that's also been necessary to support increased driver pay and other inflationary costs that we're now incurring in the business. In Terms of the market conditions, uh, the milk price was up to over 33 pence a litre since the year period end. It's gone higher to now approaching 34 and a half pence, but that is needed by farmers to support the higher cost of feed that we're supplying, but also higher cost of fertilizer, fuel, and other inputs that they have on the farm. The commodities, on average, were up 17% year-on-year, which shows you that uh, increase as they're coming through. But we continue to invest in this business. We're continuing to invest in the Academy to support future trainees and future nutritionists in the business. So I'd now like to hand over to Chris Belsham, who will take us through the financial review, but really just to point out that it's a strong set of results. And in fact, it's a record first half for NWF. Chris, over to you.
2: Thanks Richard and good morning everyone. I'll now take you through a, a straightforward set of financial results starting with the top half of the income statement. And You can see revenue increased by 93 million pounds, uh, 18 and a, and a half of that was due to high levels of activity but the majority was due to increased commodities and particularly the higher average price of oil and fuels business. Moving down to operating profit, And you can see the result of the factors that Richard's talked about. So if we start with fuel, very, very strong performance, up 1.7 million on the prior year. And the reason for that can be seen in the table at the bottom of the slide. So we don't normally show this at the first half because the fuels business is very seasonal. It makes most of its profit in the second half of the year. But as uh, many of you will know, for a year, we tend to target a penny profit pence per litre. And you can see in prior years that around the half year, we've been sort of around the half penny level and then moving up towards a penny at the year end. well, this year at the end of the first half, we're already at a a tenth litre of profit. And that gives us really good momentum going into the busier second half of the year. If we then look at food. We had the same level of activity as we had last year, but we've dealt with that in a much more efficient and effective way. And that means the business is a million ahead of the prior year, albeit worth flagging. It is quite a weak comparative, but still a very strong result in food. And then in feeds, for the reasons Richard discussed, a disappointing result. We then move down to the bottom half of the income statement because of that disappointing result in fees and and, um, weak performance over the last couple of years, we have undertaken an impairment exercise in the period and therefore have recognised 8.4 million of impairments as an exceptional non-cash exceptional cost in the period. The bulk of that is in the form of goodwill, 7.9 million of it, but we've also written down half a million of assets that were no longer in use. Uh, The financing costs in the period were in line with prior year, all slightly lower, but sort of lost in the rounding. And our effective rate of tax is similarly consistent with prior periods at 21 percent. Though because of that impairment charge, the headline rate will um, be slightly odd for the year because that's not a tax allowable cost. And as Richard's already mentioned, our interim dividend will be maintained at a penny, uh, which clearly has plenty of cover given the financial results. Moving on to the balance sheet. Not a lot of movement in this uh, over the period. Fixed assets have decreased a little bit as a result of the feeds impairment and because depreciations exceeded capEx. Networking capital is bang in line with the comparative period, although that slightly hides what's been happening. So fuels, which has a negative working capital cycle, has thrown out cash as, as the oil price has increased. At the same time, Feeds, which has a positive working capital cycle, has absorbed working capital over that period. And the two have effectively balanced each other out. I'll come back to net debt and the pension on later slides. So the only other thing really to pull out on on this slide is the return on capital employed. So a very strong group level at 18.9%. But we're also really pleased to see the strong return on capital employed in food at 10.5%. Really good to see that in double digits. And I think the first time business has achieved that in the period, certainly while I've been with the group. Moving on to the pension again, not a lot of movement here. So uh, the liability assumptions have moved against us in the period, but that's been more than offset by the contributions from the company and the increased asset performance we've had. So the deficit coming down slightly to 14.5 million. Also worth pointing out that our recovery payments, which were set based on the triennial valuation at 31st of December 2019, have now increased slightly because of the the dividend growth link that's in place. So from this month, actually, the the annual payments have increased to two million per annum. At that level, it's not constraining our ability to do anything. The next triennial valuation uh, will be undertaken at 31st of December of this year. From a cash flow perspective that strong trading has been converted into cash particularly given the um, fairly tight working capital management so we always have a working capital outflow at this time of year but as i've talked about with fuels offsetting the feeds increase to some extent we've had good cash generation in the period and that's meant if you look at the chart on the right hand side allied with the strong cash generation in the second half of last year that we've generated 9.1 million free cash flow over the last 12 months. And that's well above the three to four million that we'd normally guide you uh, towards as our annual cash generation before development expenditure. We continue to have significant facilities available with NatWest Group, 65 million, the bulk of which is an invoice discounting line at 1.25% over base. Our average net debt across the year has been well below 20 million. So we've got plenty of headroom within those facilities to fund our development plans. So overall, really strong set of results in the first half, giving us really good momentum going into the busiest second half of the year. And I'll hand back to Richard to talk about group development. Great. Thanks, Chris. What we've got in NWF
1: is a very clear development strategy. As you recall, we've got a diversified source of earnings and we generate cash and we're in large stable markets. In our fuel business, the opportunity is to consolidate what is a very fragmented market. I'll come on to talk about more about that in a moment. In food, it's all around optimizing. So you can see what improving our operating efficiency did for our profit in the first half this year, so we can do further work in terms of operating efficiency. What we could also do is optimize the clients whose business we're serving. So if we have business who have lots of activity, and lots of complex distribution demands, we can increase the value and increase our returns. We've also got our small businesses in eFulfillments and pallet line, which are growing and profitable. And we can also target expansion as we did in CREW by working with customers to sign major contracts to expand our operations. And that's something we'll be looking to do. And in FEEDS, it's all about utilizing our national operating platform. We've got great mills up in the north of England, here in Cheshire, and down in the Southwest. So we look to continue to develop volume growth across that network and that's why we're investing in the academy to introduce future nutritionists into the business we also have the opportunity to increase the range of products we're selling to over four and a half thousand customers so we continue to expand the nutritional offering that we're making to those farmers through our nutritionists up and down the country Now i move on to the fuels opportunity and first of all the fuels market on the right hand side you can see a pie chart which shows the total market of some 35 billion litres. And you can see the small red slice of that pie is NWF. So we're number three. but We've only got a 2% market share. So it's a very fragmented market. If you look at the the grey three quarters of that pie, I've put opportunities in there because there are 150 smaller businesses in there. So those are the businesses that we could look to consolidate to grow our business here. In terms of our business, uh, it's been stable over the last 12 months as a market and our business is really resilient. To give you a bit of detail, over 70% of our business is involved in commercial applications, and that's over 37,000 customers across our 25 depots. 12% of our fuel is used in agriculture, and as I said earlier, less than 5% is used with retail garages. In terms of domestics, we've got 90,000 domestic customers, and that's out of a total market of 1.4 million. And as we've talked about before, we're continuing to trial uh, some eco-fuels, so HVO 30, which is 30% hydro-treated vegetable oil, and that's blended with diesel. Uh, We're using that in commercial applications, and that's been trialed in a number of applications across the country. And we're also working with other distributors in trialing 120 domestic customers utilizing HVO 100. So this is 100% non-fossil fuel, which works really effectively in oil boilers, All you need is a slight adjustment to the nozzle, otherwise, it works perfectly. And that trial is important because it will really demonstrate a non-fossil fuel application that clearly we could service to domestic customers. I think it's also important to remember that customers purchase fuel from local depots and therefore expanding that depot network is key to our growth. But just show you the map, this shows you where our depots are. So 25 depots. We've actually acquired five businesses since 2019. And One thing you can see, the brands on the map, we retain the local brand. Our integration model is clear. The brand is retained. The local depot is retained. The front end operations are the same. So we don't want any change as far as customers are concerned. So we continue with supply. What we do is we integrate the back office operations. So purchasing IT, finance and credit control to make our business better controlled and more efficient. And you can see the growth up to 700 million litres in the chart at the bottom left hand corner. And I'll hand it back to Chris to give us a bit more of an update on our acquisition.
2: Thanks, Richard. It's important to remember with our acquisition process that we're trying to buy small family businesses. And therefore, what we're trying to do with our acquisition process is combine the most efficient, standardized way of doing things, because we're trying to do a number of transactions but maintaining that human element because actually it's the only time these people will ever sell a business and it's critically important to them. It's their life's work that they are selling. And that has been a little bit more difficult over the last year or two, not least because the businesses are all performing really well. That being said, that doesn't get rid of the the longer term dynamics that are driving people to sell the business, which is you have a a group of business owners here who are at a certain age and looking to make a capital gain um, in order to set the rest of their family up um, with the wealth that they've created in the years they've been running the business. In terms of our process, what we're trying to do is be as standard as efficient as possible. So we have a very clear valuation methodology, which is valuing the uh, sustainable EBIT that we would expect to make from the business and seeking to pay as low a multiple on that as possible. But as as you'll know from um, previous of these meetings, we're looking to to pay about six times EBIT. We then get into due diligence, where we're using the same advisors who understand the risks and issues that we're looking at and and how to report those to us. Uh, We use the same law firm who have a standard suite of legal documentation for us, so that's more efficient. And all of that helps move the transaction along. And then once we've bought the business, we have a very detailed integration plan to ensure we can move the business onto our financial systems and put in the financial and operational controls while still maintaining the really valuable bit that we bought, the front end bit in the format that it's always operated. So for a customer dealing with that business feels exactly the same as it always has. In terms of our pipeline, We've been very active and have a number of live discussions taking place. Uh, I would love to be sat here today talking you through um, a latest acquisition. Uh, Unfortunately, not able to do that, but uh, working very hard at ensuring that the next time we're together, we hopefully can be be doing that.
1: Richard. Okay. thanks, Chris. Uh, Just moving on, I want to talk about our ESG framework. Um, So most of you have seen this framework before. We've got four pillars. We want to create a culture of safety, invest in our people, build strong relationships, and also respect the environment. And across the group, a lot of activities have been undertaken in the first half. We're working with advisors at KPMG. We've had workshops in each of the divisions and several at group, really to get under the skin of this, to work out what are the key operation measures, targets, and goals that we should be adopting with the group. And what I look forward to do is in the summer, giving you lots more detail on that, give you lots of metrics so you can see how we're operating and how our framework comes to life. I think it's also fair to say if you think we're a specialist distributor, so fleet utilization, utilizing that fleet properly with minimum emissions and maximum MPG is going to be key. We've also got 1,300 people in the group. So operating safely and developing our people will also be critical themes. If I move on to the last couple of slides, first of all, I just want to recap the proposition, the NWF, why pick us slide. So first of all, we've got a strong management team with really deep-seated experience of each of our markets in each of our divisions. What we have is a very clear strategy, which gives us a growth opportunity. We've got nearly 200 million pounds of gross assets, and that helps Chris and I sleep at nights. but it also gives us a very cost-effective source of funding. Uh, We've focused on cash and return on capital, so the return on capital of 19%, And if we don't find development opportunities, we generate net cash of three to four million per annum. What that translates into is a growing dividend. So 7.2 pence per share last year. We've increased the dividend in each one of the last 10 years. As I said earlier, analysts would expect a similar increase of 5% in the full year dividend this year. And that's an expectation that we're comfortable with. So now the final slide, what we have in NWF is a significant opportunity for growth a very strong first half ahead of expectations and prior year, but positively we're able to port good momentum and board confidence as we move into the bigger second half. In fuels, we're meeting demand for heating oil and targeting acquisitions, as Chris talked about a few minutes ago. In food, we had a very busy run up to Christmas as customers stocked up with ambient grocery. We have got lower than anticipated stock levels, so that's now rebuilding. And in feeds, we're implementing the price increases to make sure Our returns are at an adequate level and also now looking to target volume growth. So I'm pleased to report confidence in the future opportunities and outlook for the group.
3: Thank you very much.
0: And we've got a question from Anne Margaret Crow at Edison.
3: Good morning and um, thank you very much for taking my question. Um, I've got a couple, um, one's in the food division and um, wondering if you could give us a bit more detail about the reduction in repacking work and whether that's just sort of a one-off or something which is perhaps representative of a broader trend. Uh, and then in the feeds division, um, hoping you could provide a bit more colour on what's happening um, in, the, in the north of your territory um, with the loss of, of volumes and therefore how you hope to recover those. Um, If you could provide a bit more detail on the merchant that was acquired, um, it would just be interesting background information. Um, And if you could perhaps provide a little bit more information on your decision to actually write down um, the value of the assets, that would be very helpful. Thank you.
1: Okay, thanks Anne and and good morning. If I take two of those three and then hand over to Chris for the, the third one, um, first of all, in terms of food and the reduction in repack work, it, it wasn't significant. What we did have in around sort of September, October, we did have some shortages of direct labor in that operation. So we weren't able to do the normal amount of business that we'd look to uh, deliver. Having said that, we've now recruited that labor um, and post period end, uh, we're running at the normal sort of levels. Um, our customers value the repack work we do. Uh, What we'll do in that operation is if you want to have a mixed case, which is going to smaller retailers, we can provide that. If you want to do a promotional line of buy two, get one free, we can do that. We also supply, as an example, several thousand um, sort of end of gondola displays of suites which go out for Halloween. And we ship those direct to store. So um, it was a small reduction um, and doesn't mean that the, the long term future of repack has any issues at all. Um, if I take you into feeds, first of all, um, in the north of England, some of our uh, nutritionists left to set up their own business. So in the short term, that means uh, a volume reduction. Um, however, pleased to report we've recruited uh, an equal number of nutritionists into our business. And with our academy trainees going up there, uh, we're now focused on recovering that volume and looking to grow. Um, in the south, um, I'm not going to name the merchant, but it was a merchant that we and another national player were supplying. Um, the owner was getting towards retirement and wanted to realise value, much like the fuel depots that we've talked about, um, and a competitor decided to make that acquisition and now supplies all of that volume. So that's really what's happened in terms of volume. Chris, you want to cover the um, impairment?
2: Yeah. Hi, Ann. So um, so impairment testing is, is done through a value in use calculation, which is effectively discounted in cash flow. Um, And that's done on a um, a market discount rate, which has been evaluated by our valuation advisors and also by PWCR auditors to be about 8.5%. So in very simple terms, we need to be generating an 8.5% return or more on the capital base that the division has in order to support the balance sheet that it was carrying. And as you'll know from our performance in recent years, we haven't been um, delivering a return in the fees Division at that level. Um, So therefore it became harder to justify that that was going to be the case in the near future. Uh, And as such, really, we have to to bring down the level of the balance sheet.
0: And we'll go to Charles Hall at Peel Hunt.
2: Morning, Richard. Morning, Chris. Morning, Charles. Um Could I just ask about all the supply chain disruptions we've seen and the increase in costs in numerous different areas, how have you managed those, obviously you've managed them extremely successfully in the first half given the profit performance, Um, but do you want to just discuss how you've overcome any um, supply chain issues and how you've passed on those costs to your customers?
1: Yeah, thanks Charles, Um, if I just use a couple of examples of what happened in the first half, I think. Uh, Driver availability has been one of the key things that everyone's been very focused on and very aware of. Um, And in early August, we made the decision in our food business to increase our driver's pay by 14% uh, because that was what we believed we needed to do to retain our team going forward. Um, We were able at the same time, actually on the same day, to pass that through as price increases through to all of our customers. Uh, Very much here, we need to retain our drivers and our customers all supported us with that increase. So I think Positively, we're set up quite well. So we've got the right number of drivers across all divisions and the right amount of staff and employees across each area. So we're in a good position, but there have been quite a lot of disruptions. So again, in our food business, um, a lot of our products are manufactured in the UK or also imported. Um, And some of our customers have had issues getting sufficient labor and therefore they've been unable to produce as much stock as they'd like. Or similarly, there have been issues of haulage into the UK. And therefore, there have been some disruptions of haulage coming in. Um, That per se doesn't cause us an issue because we're responsible for service from products that we've got in stock. But it does mean sometimes our stock levels have been reduced, which has caused some challenges in the supply chain. But, But our part of the supply chain has been operating well. If you then look at, say, the fuel business, you've had incredibly fast escalating oil prices and also, as we saw in September, real concerns about driver availability, And availability of fuel, Um, but when times get tough, what tends to happen is because we're very focused on service, we tend to do just a little bit better. So it's not saying we can overcome all supply chain issues, but because we focus on making sure we've got the right people in the right roles in the right parts of the country, we're able to sort of play our part in that supply chain. Uh, But it has been challenging and remains being so. And clearly, inflation is now a risk that we're very focused on as a group Um, and as a distributor. We need to make sure if we're incurring higher costs, they're able to pass them on in a timely manner through to that marketplace. And that is somewhat challenging.
0: And we'll go to Adrian Kiersey from Panama
1: Gordon. Two questions from me. One on uh, on fuels um, and one on food. On fuels, you've got a pipeline of MA that you're looking at. You're obviously very disciplined with regards to the price you pay. Um, there's, a, there's a broad spread in terms of the size and scope of MA targets that are potentially available. But could you perhaps give sort of an indication of, of what size, size scale businesses you're you're targeting within that pipeline? And then on, on food, the, the the number of pallets you have will ebb and flow depending on time of the year, etc. But how stable um, is the underlying client base? Because obviously, you've won a lot of clients um, over the last couple of years. Are we seeing much churn in that in that client base within within food? Okay, thanks. If I take the second question first, and then I hand over to Chris for the first question. Um, in terms of food, uh, positively, we've got most of our con- customers are under contract. Uh, we've got sufficient customers which will, on average, fill our warehouse estate uh, in Wardle and in crew, We want to be about 90% full is, is around about the optimum for a, an ambient grocery warehouse. Um, the stock level is a little bit lower at the moment, but that's purely a function of customer stock levels being lower as there was high demand before Christmas. Um, and Because those customers are contracted and none of the customers themselves are greater than 10%, that gives us a, a resilience of that stock holding. Uh, but they're all, we're always looking to optimise. So right here, right now, we've got some short-term storage which we might look to utilise with some spot business, but fundamentally we've got sufficient business to underpin the the estate that we've got and and all the assets that we use. Chris, you want to take the fuels question?
2: Yeah, morning Adrian. Um, So the simple answer is I would love to do um, one larger transaction because um, larger transactions, if anything, are easier to do than small transactions and we could do it in one transaction rather than having to do several smaller ones. but in order to do that, then there has to be a large transaction that wants to sell, um, which isn't the case at the moment, albeit we know who they all are and, and they know clearly that we're an active buyer. Um, in terms of the ones, therefore, that we can generate for ourselves, they tend to be a bit smaller. Having said that, we do have a minimum size because the, there comes a point where it's it's almost not really worth the, the time and effort in, in terms of the profit difference that it makes. So we wouldn't be looking at anything that's making less than sort of 300,000 of EBIT a year um, because the difference it makes to the, to the group isn't, in, isn't sufficient to justify that. So I guess really we're looking at transactions mainly in the sort of 2 to 10 million range. We've got a question from
0: Christopher Wright at HC Capital Advisors, who asks, is there any view on selling the property, feeds or food businesses?
1: Okay, if I just um, sort of take that, what what we've got are are three really strong businesses and stable markets with opportunities for growth, which we've set out today. Uh, I think the key as well is we've got good funding um, and we generate cash and we've got a low level of debt. So uh, we'll always look at opportunities and certainly uh, one of the things that has come through is is the increase in value of retail sites of freehold sites and clearly we have the freehold site here at Wardle Um, but actually it's all about cost-effective source of funding and I think we can we've got a very good source of funding supported by NatWest Group um, and that should meet our needs uh, for the immediate future
0: thank you very much and that's the end of questions Richard do you have any closing remarks
1: I guess really the the key is this is the first half of the year. Um, it's a very strong result. It gives us really good momentum going to the second half, which is why we're pleased to say uh, we're confident of our full year expectations. And it's also what we have is a very significant opportunity for growth. So we're resilient, we're reliable, we're secure. But we're also ambitious to grow. And that's lo- something we're looking to do certainly in the second half of this year.